Ten years had passed since the treacherous former king of Leinster, Dermot MacMurtha, had invited the English into Ireland. Their conquest was by no means complete, but the grey foreigners, as we called them, had the upper hand. The proof of this lay not just with the strip of territory they held along the east coast, but the fealty offered to the English monarch Henry by many of the Irish provincial kings. Four years prior, a hammer blow to our hopes had been struck when King Rury of Connacht had also pledged his allegiance. My father was a minor nobleman in northern Leinster, and after Dermot made an alliance with the English, he had offered his loyalty to Rury. Furious with what he regarded as Rury's betrayal, father took the inconceivable step of joining with the King of Ulster, long our enemy, but still unconquered by the invaders. His choice was an ill-considered one. When the enemy came ravaging, Ulster did not answer our call. We fought bravely, but our lands were soon overrun. Taken hostage for the good behaviour of my family, I was sent to Dublin. From there I travelled in a sturdy cog east and south over the sea, to the cloud-ridden Welsh coast, the length of which was dotted with castles. Cover a land in such strongholds, I thought grimly, and the locals, with nowhere to go, will be forced into a final stand as my own family had been. Again, I saw the English knight's charge in my mind, an unstoppable wave that had shattered our light-armed warriors. Our voyage came to an end in sight of England, at the stronghold they call Strigil. Home to the de Clare family, it sits on a bluff overlooking the River Wye and was the largest castle I had ever seen. A mighty rectangular tower, it was surrounded by a palisade that snaked across the summit of the hill. Beyond that, on every side but that which gave onto the Y, I would discover, lay a defensive ditch. I did not let it show, but I was impressed. If this was the ancestral home of an earl, King Henry's donjon must be remarkable indeed. The English weren't just expert at fighting, I thought. They were master builders, too. My fears that Ireland's chieftains and kings would never drive the invaders into the sea returned. I quelled them, for it seemed that if I gave in to that despair, my own situation would become altogether worse. Dream of defeating the English in my own land, and the miseries heaped upon me could somehow be borne. Nineteen years old, taller than most, Mop-haired and raw-boned, full of the arrogance of youth, I spoke little French that day, and not a word of English. Since being handed into captivity by my stony-faced father, I had endured a difficult time, taking his parting words to heart. Give in only if you must. Do only what you have to. I had refused to obey any commands. On the first day, I called the brutish knight into whose charge I had been given a flea-infested dog, adding that his mother worked in the back alleys of Dublin. I had not considered the consequences. Some of the crew were Irish and, intimidated by the knight, translated what I had said. My insults that first day earned me a hiding, 
and my mulish carrying on thereafter earned no respect, just more beatings and short rations. I look back now and wonder at my bull-headed behavior, and more, my short-sightedness. By the end of the voyage, I was old friends with the knight's boots and fists. Forever burning with rage and humiliation, I would have tipped him into the brine, or worse, if I had laid hands to a weapon. And yet, despite my youthful bravado, I had wit to know that such an act would have seen me follow him to the ocean floor, and so I buried my hatred for what I hoped was another day. Rufus! Still unused to the name my captor had given me, unable, or more likely, I thought darkly, unwilling to try mastering my own of Ferdia, I paid no heed. My eyes were fixed on the figures standing on the wooden jetty below the castle. It seemed that word of our arrival had landed before us. I had no idea who might greet us off the ship, but it would not be Richard de Clare, the Earl of Pembroke, one of the chief nobles who had invaded Ireland. He was dead, praise God. Even when he was living, the Earl would not have deigned to watch the arrival of a captive such as I. Nor would his wife, the Countess Aoife, in residence here since his passing. Reputed to be a great beauty, I had nightly conjured pleasant fantasies about her to take my mind from the thinness of my blanket and the hardness of the deck. Rufus, you dog! Boots and fists, my nickname for Robert Fitz Oldelm, the block-headed knight in charge of our party, sounded angry. He caught my attention at last. I recognized Rufus. I knew what Shan meant. I am as high-born as you, I thought with contempt. My ribs were still hurting from his last attack, and yet stubborn to the last. I kept my gaze locked on the close-to jetty, and my mind on Aoife, daughter of Dermot MacMurtha, the King of Leinster, widow of Richard de Clare, she would be the mistress of my fate.